You're listening to Episode 7 of Fadeless, a podcast devoted to Showcase Network's supernatural series Lost Girl, now also appearing on Sci-Fi. As usual, I'm Dave, and I'm here with Wayne, and Wayne, uh, it's storming outside again. Once again. So. This, this is kind of like a pattern we're starting to establish. I don't know, maybe maybe there's uh, some supernatural power that just doesn't want us doing this podcast or is trying to discourage us. They're, they're being subtle right now, and then... I get, it's because I'm watching too much Supernatural. I think that like, we're going to have full-on hauntings uh, probably in a day or two. Now, what uh, episode are you up to? Uh, I think I'm in episode 14 now. Oh, wow. So, yeah, I'm plowing through it. it just I, I love I, Every episode after, I went like, okay, how are they going to scare me this time? The last night I watched one with a scarecrow, man. Like, it, you know, it's funny because they have like the name, like the name. So as I'm on Netflix, I'm popping up and says, you know, episode nine, scarecrow. I'm like, oh no, you know, like starting to pull the blanket. I'm like, scarecrow, scarecrows are like the scariest thing ever. Huh? Well, you know, and like you were saying last time with, with the vampires that aren't scary, uh, you know, it's amazing how good filmmaking, good, good filming, you know, children of the corn, uh, Yep. You know, it's simple because really like, you know, we kind of talked about a couple episodes ago about like the difference between good horror and bad horror. And, you know, good horror is going to really touch on those primal fears and things like that. You know, like there's this one episode of Supernatural where a girl, uh, she comes out of TV. Like, have you ever seen The Ring? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like how that is like one of the scariest scenes ever i mean just the the girl and and everyone sees like when you look at stack on the television everyone you can if your imagination goes there you can see stuff and it just scares you like these things like you don't need to show me a guy with a knife slashing teenagers i mean yeah that's freaky it's gory but it's not scary you know, right. scary comes strikes a little bit deeper well you so. mentioned tv i mean that's kind of a you know it, it, it's been around i don't know if you remember the film video drome i kind of remember it i, I don't know if it was David Cronenberg or not, but, uh, you know, again, that was one of the first ones I saw where, you know, the, the, the TV was, you know, the source of the, the evil or whatever. And so, all right, cool. Well, I made it to uh, the next to last episode of season one of Fringe. So I've got the pilot and, uh, you know, we'll see how late we're recording this uh, episode tonight <laughs> to whether, it, you know, I see it tonight or tomorrow. Well, but. yeah, and Fringe, really, when they, you got to, like, if, if you're going to watch the last episode of season one, you, just, you might as well just get ready for season two because you're going to want to go bang straight into the next one. Well, I already took the cellophane off the uh, DVD set, so I'm ready to go. But <laughs> awesome. uh, All right, well, why don't we jump into a little bit of news? And I don't have a whole lot tonight, but uh, Australian actress Phoebe Tonkin, who played Faye on the CW Witch drama secret circle which i'm pretty sure neither of us knows anything about but uh um, has booked a recurring role on the vampire diaries according to the hollywood reporter she'll play Haley, who's described as wild sexy and free-spirited imagine that in a sci-fi or fantasy yeah uh, show very unusual right uh tonkin's haley will first appear in the third episode of season four and executive producer showrunner julie plea uh, Pleck indicated that there be more characters introduced in the new season, including Haley and a uh, new mentor for Bonnie. Vampire Diaries is going to return for season four, October 11th at 8 p.m. on the CW. Now, something that, you know, will resonate with you is that Marvel Studios released the following statement. Joss Whedon has signed an exclusive deal with Marvel Studios for film and tell. Don't get too excited I'm yet. You, you, right, you, okay, okay all right, sorry. Was the, was the dance premature? It could be. Oh, uh, no. Signed an exclusive deal with Marvel Studios for film and television through the end of June 2015. 
As part of the deal, Whedon will write and direct Marvel's Avengers 2, as well as help develop a new live action series for Marvel Television at ABC. That, how is that a, not a danceable moment? Dave? Well, because it's not Fox, but it's television. Right. All right. He'll also contribute creatively to the next phase of Marvel's cinematic universe. Okay. Uh, Avengers grossed $1.46 billion. So, Great you know. Googly moogly. Right. So we knew a sequel was coming. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah. That was. Yeah. I think they knew that before the movie even came out. Right. But uh, having Whedon involved should ensure another, you know, huge payday for the network uh, or, or for the. Uh, the uh, rather, the, <laughs> the studio. The, the studio. Okay. Uh, Whedon was one of the keys to the success of the movie, and fans and critic of life alike uh, have acknowledged his uh, impact mainly through the writing. But having him involved in the TV end is a bit of a, a bit of a head scratcher, given his past. And this is what you know. I mean, obviously, Buffy did well. Um, Angel, did, did, did he do Angel? He Angel did, right? and Angel did. I mean, they had like five seasons. Yeah, right? Angel yeah. did well. But then again, two shows that are near and dear to our hearts, Firefly sure. and, and Dollhouse, uh, were pretty much disasters. And and those, uh, not critically, but uh, um, you know, and those are, I guess, you know, there's a theory I learned in Psych, the primacy recency, that people tend to remember the first things that happen and the last things. Right. Uh, so that's you know. Anyway, but uh, his ratings track record is mixed he's got a proven knack for creating shows that inspire passionate followings and we certainly know that um wait which of his shows has passionate followings i'm i'm not sure about we (laughs) anyway so double duties on film and tv might be a hint that marvel's creating not only multiple movies but an even broader universe that includes television well and that i think is a positive thing because a when was it you say it's ABC? You know, when they go to market this, they're going to say from the director of the Avengers, and right there, bam, it's going to pull people in. Um, unfortunately, after the first episode, when they realize it's not the Avengers, they might uh, be, uh oh, we got a foul. <laughs> and uh, so, oh, did I, I just, yeah, we should probably just, all right, I'll just keep talking. Yeah, and, no, that's and, okay. And yeah, you can do it. We work it out in editing. Um, but uh, so, you know, well, hopefully that, then people will. You know, whatever it is, well, even when they realize, oh, it's not the Avengers, then they'll still come and watch episode two or whatever. But, you know, that kind of, you know, cred uh, can only help them and help whatever show he comes up with. That's that's exciting news. Right. And, you know, I guess what I was thinking, you know, you, you mentioned, I think, last time or else the time before about, uh, you know, all these networks trying to capture the, the next Lost in a bottle. And, you know, Lost was certainly an ABC show. So, you know, hopefully they're not expecting lightning to strike twice, but you never know. Anyway, never but, know. but our little what, what just happened, uh, and we forgot to uh, mention our homage to Ronald D. Moore this week. <laughs> uh, tonight's beverage of choice is Sam Adams Pale Ale. And... Uh, my bottle of Sam Adams Pale Ale decided it didn't want to stay in the bottle. Explode. And see, this goes back to, I mean, we, I, I'm becoming more and more convinced that we're going to get haunted here, Dave. There's, okay. there's something malevolent about this house. Uh, we need to call uh, Dean and Sam and get them to check out the history of this place. Uh, it might be an old burial ground. There might have been a hanging ground on here. There's some. I'm starting to get weirded out. Well, fortune, it must, be, it must not be too nasty uh, a spirit because it was just like a, a little mini spillover and it could have uh, been just a thirsty spirit which yes in that so. case he's all right he's probably a kindred spirit in that case all right now last thing um and i hate to put you on the spot but you i always will say that and then you go do uh, it and then it anyway. i do it anyway <laughs> so I, the last news item i think we need to really discuss 
Should Edward forgive Bella? Wow, that's a tough one. Jeez, I really don't care. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you, it's funny. Um, you know, I, I, you know, we we talked about this Wait, a little bit her for last what? week. What did she do? Yeah. Oh, oh right. Yeah. In real life. In real, real life. life. Well, you know what the news there was that Robert Pattinson was straight, I think was the, the real news of that whole affair. That, that's what <laughs> threw me for a loop. I was just assuming he's like guy that good looking. There's no way he, he likes chicks, but uh, apparently... Yeah, you know. Well, you know, it's funny because, you know, I mentioned last time my wife's, you know, fascinated by, um, you know, that whole drama and, you know, reads about it. And, and uh, you know, we had seen the first movie and started watching the second one, uh, you know, and now he's going to be appearing on uh, – you're a John Stewart fan, right? No. I, I wouldn't call myself a fan. Okay. I mean, the few times I catch the show, I, I like I, I like his sense of humor. Okay. I like the Daily Show, but I, n- I just never get to watch. Well, it. he's gonna uh, he's gonna have Robert Pattinson on Monday, uh, which is gonna precede his appearance on I don't know Good Morning America or one of those shows that's on. It's gonna they've already taped it, but it's not gonna appear till Wednesday. So you know we've we've been talking about you know what what he's gonna say and 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 really I mean in all seriousness. Does something like this harm the Twilight franchise? I mean, does a scandal like this harm, you know, if it, if it was something to do with the Avengers? I mean, would we look at... I, I would hazard a guess that sales of and rentals of the Twilight DVD and, you know, online streaming watching of it has gone up dramatically since all this nonsense started, which from the beginning, and call me a cynic, you, can, you know, but... The whole thing to me seems pretty orchestrated. And I'm not reading a lot about this, so I can't. This isn't coming from a, a knowledgeable a source, a, a point of knowledge. But it just seems ridiculous that why, why is this in public? Why, why is this happening in the, in the public forum? These two people are like kind of airing their dirty laundry. Why would you do that unless that was the point? You know, the, the publicity was the point. The, the relationship. Could have been a sham in the first place. Maybe Robert Pattinson really is gay, and but you know who knows. But if I were him, I would say, "Listen, Kristen, basically, I can have any woman. I, I can go to a bar right now and walk up to the hottest chick and say, come on,' and that's it. So, what what need does he have of forgiveness if it's even real, which I don't think it is? Well, and that's hard. I mean, what I keep saying is, at the end of the day. She's 22, and, and you think of some of the things that you did at 22. I shudder to think. I shudder to think, right. And, uh, you know, I, I think one of the things he's uh, – I'm trying to look it up here as we're uh, talking. Uh, again, another movie. Oh, here it is that, that my wife turned me on to. It's called Remember Me. And it, it's – honestly, I, I know this sounds like hyperbole, but it has one of the most blow-you-away endings that you'll ever see in a in a serious drama, and and, and it's a serious drama, um, and uh, I almost can't talk about it anymore, or I'm going to give away the ending. So okay. you know, but but it's you know it's really nice to see him in a, in a role. I mean, he really is a pretty good actor. No, and when I thought he was fantastic as Cedric Diggory, like I mean, like that was a part. I was like, well, you know, it's in the book. He's there's not a lot of depth to the character of Cedric Diggory. And I thought in the movies he did a pretty good job of, of bringing some depth there with not many lines. And uh, so, you know, whatever. I, I, he's a good actor. I wish him well. And, uh, you know, he's obviously very pretty. So, uh, you and, know, and I think I, if, if he'll, he'll get by this one, I imagine, I with think, or without Kristen. Right. Okay. And I think we're both pretty confident that the uh, Twilight franchise will 
uh, yeah. we'll do okay. And we're, I think we're both lucky, actually, that there's no one here to collect our man cards. Because I think, I mean, I, I got yours last week. Good but, point. Uh, just because I realized all the talking I've just done, I think it, it would be uh, confiscated as well. Maybe I'll just leave it. Maybe we'll just exchange them. You know, I got yours, you take mine, and then maybe next week we'll uh, we'll talk about football and we'll be able to switch back again. Well, you know, and it's, and it's funny you say this, again, to, you know, put you on the spot, although you don't necessarily have to respond to this one. Uh, you know, I think Wayne and I both realized that uh, – you know, we're, we're coming from a fairly heavy-handed male perspective, so uh, our people are currently in negotiations to uh, bring in a uh, another guest uh, host that, you know, will hopefully just come on from time to time, but be able to put us in our place and uh, bring us back to perhaps reality. So we'll keep you posted on if, if anything that happens with that. Yeah. Maybe bring a little bit of, a little bit of femininity into the, the podcast. No, yes. We're you know, not that bad. We're think. not that you know, we're bad. All right. Anyway. <laughs> um, so let's take a look at episode well, hold six. On. I got, oh, actually, go I got, ahead. Because I, I oh, so sorry. rarely actually come up with news myself. I should warn you before you're like, hey, I got, I think I, got you, some I think you did. Just because I want to uh, pimp a couple of shows that are not really sci-fi that are shows that I enjoy a lot. And so this Sunday on AMC, the Hell on Wheels season two begins. Have you seen Hell on Wheels? I have Wheels? not. Mm-hmm. It's really, really good. Okay, no sci-fi at all. It was just a, a Confederate soldier after the Civil War, um, trying. his wife was murdered, and he's trying to get his life back together. My brother-in-law told me about this at the last uh, little kid birthday party. Yeah, and it sounded awesome. It is awesome. It's it's a it's a really great show, and I think the first season was only like eight episodes or something. Mm-hmm. So, and it's on Netflix. So it's, you know, if if you want to get on board, uh, it's it's easy to catch up. You know, by probably you know a week or two. Um, so that's on Sunday, and then. Uh, you know, I I think we agreed that you don't. Did you? You said you don't like really the zombies. You're not into, right? But nah, Walking I made Dead, it through Zombieland and and liked it. Yeah, but the Walking Dead uh, season premiere is October 14th on AMC. So, uh, all of you who are looking forward to seeing more of the uh, chick with the samurai swords and the two uh, zombies attached to her, armless zombies attached to her. Um, you only have a little bit longer to wait. Now, is that season two? That would be season three. Three. Okay. Did I say season two? No, you didn't. Oh, you oh, didn't okay. say anything. Oh, yeah, that's uh, season three. Season one of Walking Dead, I think they only, it's six, only like six episodes. Yeah. So it was just like basically a test run. Let's see how this, because I think they knew, you know, this is, well, we're taking a chance here, you know. Um, but, uh, you know, they've really, the, I think it's, it's. I don't know the numbers, uh, but I think it's doing pretty well because they've, they're, they're going to have a full uh, season three, which for them, I think the season two is only like 13, 14 mm-hmm. episodes, I think, as well. Cool. Anyway. Looking forward to that. So that's just because I started to feel bad, especially going back and listening to the old podcasts. I'm like, man, I never have anything to say during the news part. You know, it's all David. I look like this big slacker just chimes in like Flavor Flav. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I know the name, but I'm not sure. That's good. Yeah, all right. Yeah. Anyway, so, uh, so we're good now. We're good. We, right. can, we can proceed. All right. So I, I've been, I've been uh, mollified. All right. So, anyway, episode six of season one, Food for Thought. Um, and, you know, we were talking and as we were, you know, going through our notes, getting ready for tonight's podcast that that I think both of us were, were kind of mixed. On, yeah, uh, that mixed feelings would be a good way to describe it. You know, as I'm watching, like, mm, you know, it's not as compelling the plot. And, you know, I think you had mentioned you're kind of you're not I'm not really necessarily into police procedurals straight up. 
on shows you know like that that just have yeah. like the law and order or whatever where no, it's I'm not just at all. you know here's the case in the beginning follow the case and everything um but if you add that police procedural with you know the supernatural element like in fringe and in lost girl then then it does become this a vehicle that can be interesting but in this case it was like eh, you know the whole thing and with kenzie getting sick and um being in danger we never buy it you know like i i remember watching the first time thinking uh you know i'm not not really buying that kenzie is i don't feel like she's in danger i don't feel like she's gonna die at the end well you know know, i i know what you're saying and and again uh as we've mentioned you know you know many times i I don't think we mentioned last week you know we've we've seen all of season one and season two so um but but I think, you know, the trend these days, and, and you just finished Continuum Season 1, and, mm-hmm. and you do see that, uh, you know, and we knew this from Lost, I mean, you know, the good shows are not afraid to kill off major characters. Sure. And and I think, you know, you have to be brave enough to do that and brave enough the, uh, and confident enough in your story that you can get by. But what happened to me again as, um, you know, it, like, like you, I was watching it and like all right, I'll pause it and I'll go, you know, I'll go down and get the paper. And then, I'm, you know, so, but then as I'm going through it and looking at my notes and starting to piece it together, you know, it was pretty good. It had a, you know, I mean, like one of the big things you mentioned, Kenzie and okay. I mean, yeah, we were pretty confident she wasn't going to die, but I guess what I liked of it in terms of a theme is that, you know, that she's, we see a lot of her being accepted into the, hearts of the fae and you know we've gone through all this hey the human can't come you know no humans in here and and just really you know like she even said last week you know yeah as if the uh, human jokes aren't getting a little old um that you really see that you know there there really is you know a lot of love for her yeah absolutely and there's a lot of little things they do like dyson finds her in the cemetery and just you know like like as like a big brother like they're feeling very protective of her. You know, he go, he, you know, she's like, she's, I just want to stay here for a little bit. And he just kind of puts his arm around her yeah. and she just curls up. Like, you know, so we, we definitely see this connection between Dyson and Kenzie that's becoming very similar to the connection between um, uh, 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 Kenzie and Bo. I'm just, I don't know why. Yeah. Blanked out there for a moment, you know, where Kenzie and Bo had this very sisterly relationship. Now she's got Dyson, who's it's just a big brother. There's no sex at all right. in between these two. It's just it's all Dyson feeling very protective. And then there's that scene at the end with Trick now, yeah, kind of you know becoming. I mean, he sells off this obviously very valuable uh, thing that he has in order to get things to to make a tea for her to help cure her um so you know we see the trick who she calls him like a grumpy old bartender right. during it and uh, but now we see him opening up emotionally this is like the, really the first time we've seen trick yeah uh behaving in a way that that doesn't annoy us you know like mm-hmm. behaving as as a kind person instead of just a, a grumpy bossy type person right. now you know the, one of the other things I mean, we'll, we'll talk about some of those things in more detail uh you know, Bo learning to use her mind rather than her emotion, right? So now she can actually, um, you know, get together with a human and not kill him. Right, which she's pretty excited about, but Dyson, not so much. Right. And then uh, the whole Lauren-Bo relationship is starting to kind of be hinted at. And, uh, you know, I hesitated. I, I started writing, you know, sparks are starting to fly, but I, I'm not even sure I would call those sparks yet, but just kind of... 
Well, there, yeah, there was the one scene in, in the bar early on when you know, Lauren's taking her out for her test flight to right. see how she can do. And, uh, you know, Bo is about to kiss her. And, I mean, sparks were just flying like crazy in that one. But, you know, Bo pulls back because she's still uh, afraid that uh, she won't be able to stop herself. Right. Now, you know, I'm not sure this is going to end up being a, uh, you know, an every week occurrence because it's been a while since I've seen season one. So, you know, a lot, you know, going back to a lot of these episodes, it's like seeing them uh, for the first time. But again, the opening scenes tinged with sexuality as Bo's trying to decide which slinky black dress to wear for her night out with Lauren. And, uh, you know, even though it's just supposed to be this test of her control, right? Um, And that, uh, you know, Kenzie, who ever observant notices, it's a little more than academic curiosity. But, you know, one of the things we learn about Bo is that whole ability that she can see like your your aura, you know. I think Kenzie might you or, or no, Lauren uses the word aura. That uh, yeah, uh, Bo. Just, I think I have in quotes that she can see energy flow. Right, and, and we so assume we see it's like a sexual energy. Yeah, right. Well, that, right. yeah, she says it's, right. it's like uh, she can gauge arousal levels in people, and she looks at the one couple and says, "Well, you know, she's way more into him." And Lauren says, "Well, give it between you know." One and ten, she's right. He's a a three, and she's a seven, or right. something like that. So, um, which is an interesting trick uh, to have. Uh, I don't know how useful it is. You know, like in combat or something. So you say, "Whoa, hey, yeah. buddy, focus on the so, fight." Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, it was just kind of a fun though scene. I mean, and you know, and but that was certainly interesting. That you know, there's the, another you know thing that we learn about her abilities. Uh, but you know, just a fun scene. The two girls out, you know, you know, drinking and. And, uh, you know, Bo, it's like, I love after hours, Lauren, you yeah. know, and, uh, you know, getting her out of the lab. And she's been, you know, so stuffy. And we'll talk about that a little bit. And I, I do, too, because after hours, Lauren is a way more interesting character than Lauren, the clinical doctor. And I know you're, you don't agree with me on this one, but, uh, you know. Well, no, I'm OK with that. Yeah. So. Anyway, this week's procedure, we'll just take a look, you know, real briefly, we, involves a house call to see a sick uh, is it Asswing? You've been the one that looks them up each week. Yeah, but I was too busy to do it this week. I'm such a slacker. But okay. I, uh, Asswing, yes. Okay. Which, as uh, you know, Kenzie notes, is a pretty unfortunate name. <laughs> right. <laughs> so these are Fay who eat the dead. Right. And that, uh, you know, but that it the, there's a symbiotic relationship with humans because they, you know, they eat diseased flesh as well, and, and it doesn't hurt them at all. So that, you know, the idea is that they're, you know, they're, they're keeping in check certain diseases that would otherwise... Uh, you know, get it's into the a, human right, community. Beneficial for the uh, the human race that they eat dead people. Right now, you know, I mean, this is a supernatural. It's not a horror show, but you know, the whole bleeding from the eyes thing, yeah, yeah pretty gruesome, and, <laughs> uh, yeah. and, and in a good way, you know. So, I, so I definitely like that. Um, but, but the interesting thing, you know, we see now more of Lauren's role in the Fey community. Y- yes and no, because. You know, when Bo wants to go and get whatever they need to, you know, because they don't know exactly what they're looking for to to save Kenzie, Lauren at first is like, well, no, I can't. You know, and at first we could, it seems like she's a little afraid because she's not as impulsive. And, and Lauren that says that notes how Bo is very impulsive. And she's not impulsive like Bo. She's not an action type person like Bo. Um, but. 
And then, then she throws on top of it. Well, also, I'm affiliated with the Ash. I can't do this, you know. So she's very, you know, like kind of restricted type person, and uh, and very deliberate as well. She doesn't like charging in. Um, but and then we see more about these rules. And so she kind of has to go outside the rules. She has to kind of join Bo right. in stepping outside the rules, which is what Bo does. That's why people come to Bo because right. she has this ability to go outside of the very constricted laws of, of faith society. Um, but Lauren goes along for the ride. Right. So, you know, so we see this, you know, she, she says she's eaten cancer, Ebola, and the plague without any side effects other than, you know, yeah, a little indigestion, a little indigestion yeah. right. Well, I had this one. Okay. I know it's all just yeah. dramatic effect and everything, but when, you know, the lady wakes up with her eyes bleeding, like before you see her eyes, she reaches over to her bedside and she's got like a little hand mirror. I'm like, what? What is that about? <laughs> Who has a hand mirror right at their bedside? You know, wh- why would you ever need a mirror by your bedside? Good point. Dude? Except for yeah. you know, freaky maybe type reasons. But you know, that just I was like, what? And I, I, obviously, I've talked before about just kind of like letting it go and, and ride, rolling with it. But but uh, you know, to, I know it's nitpicking, but just that that one little detail really kind of stuck out for me. Yeah. So you know, so we Lauren's got to find out what's you know. What's making the face sick? So, uh, you know, they both throws out the little um, uh, obligatory comment to Kenzie about not stealing anything, and uh, of course she does, except she steals food and helps herself to a bowl of soup, which uh, <laughs> you know, again, you know, yeah. well, because it's it's the the soup that we see after um when when Bo is about to go out with Lauren. She says, drinks may be dinner. What could possibly go wrong with that? It immediately cuts to the ass wing chopping food with a, a big cleaver. And we're like, well, you know, big right. cleaver suggests all kinds of things go wrong. And then the scene ends with her going into the fridge and pulling out a human foot and dropping it into the soup. So we know that the soup has a big human foot in it. And then we learn that they eat dead people while, you know, uh, Kenzie's not there because she's already gone off to the kitchen. And, and so when Kenzie's eating the suit we're just like oh oh right and God. i mean it's again it's one of those you know horror movie clichés but you know the the i mean dramatic irony is important for a good yeah. reason because you're just no don't yeah. eat the but, right right and they play actually right. for comedy you know and, and the best right. is when they they walk in uh, Lauren and Bo walk into the room and and Kenzie's actually just you know putting down the spoon with a clang and looks up like, what? You know, and we're just like, oh, God, she ate the whole bowl of, yep. of foot soup. <laughs> so, all right. So anyway, we learn where the bodies come from, that there's a funeral uh, funeral home that supplies bodies to the Fae. And, uh, you know, the, the, the funeral director is very cooperative. I, we assume she's Fae herself, right? Or we're we're not sure, yeah, but at least yeah, we don't we, we definitely don't we don't yeah. know. It she's uh it, it's right. not clear. I ha- I was under the impression she was human, but she could have been fake uh, as well. There's but anyway, the investigation leads them to Baron Chemical, and uh, you know pretty much their procedural involves uh, infiltrating them, and uh, you know so which involves Bo dressing up in like when she dresses up in in like professional gear. Man, she just like if 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 she actually got a job like that, no one would get any work done. Professional? That was professional. Oh, I guess is that. I mean, I she dresses people, up. where I work. Well, well, maybe some of them do dress like that. I don't. Know. <laughs> yeah, nope. I guess it wasn't really. Pro- nobody, I mean, nobody in my department. All right. Anyway. <laughs> All right. So, what, what do we like? Take Lauren for a second, and 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 you know, I think. Again, as as we go through these characters, I mean, I'm wondering whether you'll have the same 
reaction that I did, which is that this episode was a lot better than I thought it was. And that, okay, so we see her in her element and we realize that, you know, she's really good at what she does. And we still, though, don't know. There's that mystery, you know, where did she come from? I mean, how did she as a human, you know, right. become emboldened to the, or, or um, um, you know, attached to the ash? And, you know, how did she come to be the, you know, the doctor to the fae? Yeah. Yeah. And you're right. Absolutely. That she's good at what she does. Uh, we see that she's got a nice bedside manner with the yeah. ass wing, too, which is always important for a doctor. Not all of them have that. Um, but also what struck me, again, thinking back on it is like, well, here at first she's like, oh, I don't really want to go. She seems like kind of that little nervous Nelly, like, oh, I don't know if we should do this. You well, know, but you think she's going to be like a whiner. And then when she gets into the action, she's like James Bond, man. She's like, right. But is it security guard? But, but is it? Does it have to do with the the rules and the ash? I mean, you know, she again, you know, she, there, it's clear that there are certain things she's allowed to do and certain things that she needs to ask permission to do. And you wonder whether that, you know, the fact that she hadn't cleared it with the ash uh, had anything to do with that. Um, but you know, we we find out she convinced the ash. You know, I guess we see that off camera to allow her to investigate uh, since a cure is going to help. You know, the Fay in general. Um, since, uh, you know, you know, there's a human involved, obviously, once Kenzie becomes sick, you, you wonder whether that's going to complicate things. But okay. now the uh, a couple of things, you know, she she alludes that the you know, this whole cloak and dagger spy, you know, it's really not her milieu, um, you know, and, and but, you know, even that she does pretty well at, you know, sneaking in and, and you know, you know, it's got the vials hidden. Right. Yeah. I mean, she. I'm gonna, you know, go on a limb and say it looks like she's done this before in one some capacity or other because she seems to know like exactly what to do. She lures the two security guards into that room, then she's, you know, releases some kind of gas. She's got a gas mask on. She goes out and locks them in. All of this, like for someone who just a couple minutes ago didn't even want to go and looked like this, you know, like some scared little girl, now is getting out there and and like you know, kicking some rear end and doing a pretty professional job of it, it seems like. So she's got, she's got some skills. Now that, that could be, you know, we might be reading too much into this and just, you know, it could be just like, ah, oh, and we want to be, there's to be some action. We don't want to have to have Bo chasing, worrying about Lauren, you know, cause that's distractor to the central plot of, of Bo trying to get the passwords and the guys or the, the guy's voice and everything. Right. But, you know, I, I mean, I think one of the other things I liked was that she stands up to Bo a little more than we've seen in the past and tells her, you know, you're too impulsive. And, and, and I'm going to hold off. You know, there's something I want to mention about Bo related to this that, you know, how she reacts to her. But but, you know, she she stands up to her. She she doesn't play, you know, the uh, you know, the the yes girl. And uh, which is not yet. She, she's you know, uh, almost a Hemingway hero, right? Grace under fire, where um, it, things are getting stressful. Bo's just like, well, let's just go. Let's just do it. And, and Lauren, very correctly, says, no, wait a second. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you're not thinking this through. We got to be careful. If we get caught, then Kenzie is is going to die. Right. You know, we can't help her if we get caught. We got to do this and not get caught. And, and Bill realizes that that is the correct course of action. So, you know, there's, the, Lauren really shows a lot of interesting angles in this episode. I, I, you, 
I remember the first time seeing this uh, coming to a very new appreciation for Lauren in, in this episode. Well, yeah, and and, and again, it, it's it's nothing seems to phase her, and and you know uh, you know we're uh, learning about these different Fay each week, and uh, you know the the okay go, making a house call to Fay that eat you know dead human flesh doesn't phase her at all. Not no, not a bit. So you know, all right. Um, the last thing with her, though, is when they get they get in the lab, they discover that tank, and there's the uh, the snake. I forget what they Basilisk. call this. Okay, uh, and, and right because you because uh, the Harry Potter book. So like for everyone that says Harry Potter, like hey, Basilisk, woo! Okay. The second book and everything. But we find out again. It's it's the second mention we've had of Underfay. Right. Okay. And that uh, you know, which one of the first things she notices is that uh, poor thing. They have it on life support. And obviously they've got to get a tissue sample because that's what she needs to make the cure for Kenzie and for the asswing woman. But uh, you know, and that uh, you know, they finally get that. But then the decision she makes at the end there to pull the plug, you know, I mean, it, look, it, it's a creepy looking creature. It's easy to just you know, kind of you know, dispassionately you know, say ah, just pull the plug on the thing. It's just uh, a creature. But you know, you can tell it bothers her. But she makes what she thinks is the better long-range, big-picture decision. Well, yeah, because they know that she says it's dangerous, and, and Bo says, well, we can't take it with us, right. you know, obviously. So uh, Lauren's left with no choice but to pull the life support. Right. And uh, yeah, I guess, in a way, put the creature out of its misery. Right. Um, but on the other hand, she's, you know, She's, she's protecting, and, yeah. and she's protecting, and uh, she's protecting the Fay and the Ash. Right. So it's this is definitely what the Ash would want her to do, okay. which is not necessarily a good thing. Right now, the one character that that I, I guess I, you know, really enjoyed more than anybody in this episode is, is Trick, and and we talked last time about how he seemed to really be a grumpy, you know, as, as you said, Kenzie, you know. Douche. Yeah, right, right. And a grumpy old bartender. <laughs> right. um, and and of all of this, the characters in this episode, I think he made more of an impact on me than anybody else. And, uh, you know, they, they set the scene up, you know, where he, you know, his buddy's in the bar and they're drinking and it's obviously somebody he's known for a long time. And the guy says, hey, what about the whatever? So he, he shows it and it's some kind of chain. And he, ex- you know, he explains the the history behind it. Um, you know, I didn't, did you take the notes on that? Um, yeah, well, he called it something like a, a, a gill pinnier. Hold on. Where I, I didn't quite <clears throat> catch it. Um, but it was something like, yeah, I mean, it was very significant and, you know, whoever owned it, uh, I, you know, anyway, uh, and the guy who clearly is a wheeler dealer, you know, well, let me know, you know, because I'd love to trade you something, buy it or whatever. And trick says, no, you know, it will, you know, it'll, it'll never, you know, I'll never part with it. So, you know, then we see Dyson, you know, bring Kenzie to the bar, you know, and that was, you know, I guess in the, after the, he finds her in the graveyard. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, you know, he, he tells her he's going to take her to a safe place and he takes her there. And that, uh, I mean, just seeing, you know, again, you're bringing a human. Okay. Granted, this is Bo's human, right? She's claimed Kenzie. Um, and, and, you know, Kenzie seems to have a decent relationship with Trick, but still, you know, you're bringing her to the bar and he's really understanding. He tells Dyson, you know, you better not let the Ash find out what you're doing. And then, you know, Dyson gives his, ah, I do what I want. I don't, you know, I don't listen to, I don't answer to the right. Ash. It's like, yeah, okay. Sure you don't. Sure, <laughs> sure you don't. You don't. 
Um, but, uh, you know, so we're not sure whether he fears for Dyson, for himself, or for both of them. But, uh, you know, we see Kenzie's really, you know, taking a turn for the worst. And then what's what does he do with his prized possession? Yeah, he gives it, well, he doesn't give, you know, he trades it for like a, a horn and everything. I get, did he make the tea? Is it, did he yeah, he was tea? like, it, it was, was like a cheese, like a grater oh, or something. Okay, he right, was grating right. the powder into, uh, into the tea. And, uh, you know, and, and Kenzie says, uh, for a cranky old bartender, you do pretty good with the nurturing. And he says, I have experience. Yeah. So it's like, well, okay. So that it, it implies that he's had to care for other people before, you know, has he had children as, and, and everything. Um, you know, we don't know, but, you know, he certainly acts in a paternal way oh, towards yeah. Kenzie here. And, um, and it, which is, a, a, it's like we said, it's a big change from what his character has done before. So whereas before, like I said, I mean, I've, I've said, I've criticized him before being just like not a nice guy, not a, not a likable character. And that totally changes here. The same thing for Dyson. I mean, well, we, we start to like Dyson. We see more of him. And so we... He's more well-rounded for us. Um, but in this episode, we really see Dyson behaving like Trick in a more sympathetic manner, especially toward uh, Ken- well, towards Kenzie, really. Um, we see him once again helping out Bo with the investigation. And then, he- then Bo goes off on her own to do investigating, and Dyson stays back to take care of Kenzie. Right, but even Dyson, we can kind of excuse his behavior a little bit because of what the Ash you know, told him about his relationship with Bo. But, but yeah, I mean, like you said, the bedside manner with Ken, I mean, it's really, I mean, I mean, yeah, I hate to use the four, four letter word love, but I mean, it really is lovingly, you know, taking care of her. Um, but then the interesting thing, as she's starting to feel better, she, you know, because she, of course, can't keep her hands off of anything she's like that little kid that you know it's like you take her you know you know don't touch that don't touch so that that little kit that she opens up and it's like you know syringe and some vials and she asks him about that and he says i don't use that anymore yeah well at first he he walks in as she's examining it and trick just this is one point where he gets back to that kind of forceful he's like don't you know like a scolding again a parent scolding a child you know Stay out of Daddy's booze cabinet or whatever. Get out of there. Um, and so, there, there, yeah, there's something about those instruments that uh, that Trick is very touchy about them. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, look, I mean, the first thing I'm thinking is some sort of drug, right? So was he addicted to some sort of drug? Yeah. Right? I mean, well, you, well, in the beginning then, because he, he uh, is the, – the thing he, he gets from the dude in the beginning is like some kind of little vial – and he says he's going to oh, make right. cocaine. I don't even know what cocaine is. Yeah, I, don't know, either. I don't either. Um, but you know, he like sniffs it, and it's very drug deal-like right. kind of setup. And, and we've talked about before how they take conventions like a conventional drug deal scene that would be done on TV or a movie or something like that, which it seems like, but it's not drugs. It's something supernatural, and they're going to use it to make cocaine and whatever that can be. If anyone knows, you can... Uh, <laughs> You know, tweet us or uh, or you, you email can email us, us at fatalistpodcast at gmail dot com or the website fatalists 
Podbean.com. Yeah, just talk to us. Talk, even if it's just to say, do your own research, you right. lazy sods. <laughs> right. But, uh, you know, and then at the end, when she's really, you know, when, when it, it, it's clear that she's going to make it, I mean, it's just like he looks positively joyful, as, as if you mentioned, you know, children, as if one of his own children pulled through. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see him, you know, as the episodes progress. But, you know, definitely uh, I was happy to see it. Yeah, and, and I agree with you uh, definitely where you say – I can try not to say definitely so much because uh, – but uh, as you – talking about it and, and kind of going back and analyzing it, I've liked it more than I did at first glance when I was like, eh. But then you start thinking about everything that's going on here. You're like, you know what? There's there's a lot happening here. Yeah. And they really yeah. take some – as we've talked about here, there's some really tremendous steps in developing – Lauren, Trick, and, and Dyson, I think. And, and Kenzie, too. Yeah. I mean, even though we, we've seen a lot of Kenzie, um, especially it's the one scene where uh, she's talking to Dyson, and she says, I see more than anyone thinks. It's yeah. because no one watches me. Everyone's watching Bo. So it's not this, like, last episode, she seemed like a little petulant kind of kid, like, eh, poor me. Um, you know, no one respects me like they do Bo, and she seemed kind of like whiny about it and, and that's when you know hale tells her basically nut up or shut up right, right. you know he's speaking a language she knows i think she took that advice to heart and now she's not whining about it but you know she, but it's a very matter of fact statement people are paying attention to Bo. they don't watch me so that gives me the opportunity to watch everything that goes on and she said you know you're suffering because of helping Bo heal she sees that that dyson is, is suffering and, and he's like ah, yeah it's well right and, and and just that you know that scene you're talking about we'll jump might as well segue into kenzie right now you know that, that what she basically you know it's like on her deathbed i mean that's kind of what it is it's like that deathbed not a confession but but a deathbed request that you know you need you need to tell me that you're going to take care of her, and that you've got her back, and you know um, you know you, we just see how much she cares for Bo, and you know that that you know look that you know this is not just some idle request from a human that you know Dyson takes it seriously, right. and, and she she says you know even if it means cutting her loose, so you know this kind of like idea that uh, as as Sting said. If you love someone, set them free. Right? I just we just aged ourselves right there. Like probably anyone. I, I didn't say anything. <laughs> um, but uh, you know the the idea is that part of you know potentially with with that that Dyson to help her, he might have to you know like let her let her go, right. which is where Bo was before. Right. You know where she lived this itinerant existence from age eighteen to whatever she is now. I don't. Know if we know her age now, Bo. Um, yeah, I think twenty eight. I think we determined it was something it was like, like 10 she years. was. Yeah. So for ten years, you know, she's just been on the run and, and handling things on her own, and and so you know, I think Kenzie kind of realizing that that might be something she has to return. Without Kenzie there to protect her, uh, Bo might have to uh, return to that type of existence. Even though she's thirty eight in real life. Uh, she looks awfully good. She does look good. Assuming I did the math correct, but uh, correctly. She's born in 72, uh, right? 73? 74. 74. So, all right. Anyway, um, you know, the, th- the the other thing with Kenzie that, that it was interesting is that scene where, where Dyson finds her in the cemetery and she says, you know, I used to come here as a kid. And, you know, we don't know a whole lot about her, her past, but. You know, if a kid is going to a cemetery for refuge, uh, you know, what must her home life have been like? Uh, yeah, and we've mentioned that before, that we know she's had it rough. We know that her life 
before Bo was difficult and that she's we, and we see it basically through the skills that she's had to learn and the people that she knows and things like this. And this is a more poignant type of example than yeah. what we've seen. Like, cause we see, Oh, well she's had to learn how to steal and she's learned how to, how to grift and um, learn how to pick pockets and things like that. That's one thing. But then we see this, it's really, like you said, it's a very kind of touching scene. We say, yeah, how rough must her life have been that this place of refuge that you had was a cemetery. Right. And, and what she hasn't learned how to do is ask for help from people. And that's kind of what's happening here. And, you know, it's maybe it's the recognition of her own mortality as she really does believe she's going to die, you know, even though I think she's confident that everybody's doing what they can, um, you know, and yet she still retains, you know, fragments of her humor. And there weren't a lot of zingers in this episode. And that's fine because, you know, the, the nature of the procedural you know the but but you know she had a she had a few i think this is just one of those 24 hour plagues um, right. <laughs> you know and uh 24 hour plague i like that yeah you know so uh you know I, again i think we saw a different side of her this that that you know less of the the wise cracking sidekick but you know more of a um you know a, a real person that that's uh you know yeah like it is more of a I shouldn't say a more human character, but, you know, like in a, in a work of fiction, in a TV show, um, sometimes, you know, the characters come across as as wooden or plastic and, and not really fleshed out. And uh, again, Kenzie, in this episode, really, we start to see her more as an actual person. We right. She's vulnerable. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Because so. we, we never really saw that vulnerable side to her, right. except for, like I said, her whining in the last episode. But now we see it in a way that makes us sympathize with her more. No one sympathized with a whiner. Yeah, I know. That's what I'm telling you, man. The, hopefully, the, hopefully the, the, thunder the thunder will show up on the on, on tape on here. The podcast. Yeah. So, uh, but take a uh, microphone, stick it out of the uh, the window for a little bit, maybe go out yeah. there, do like uh, a Ben Franklin experiment. With all right. So uh, once again, uh, we see Dyson using his police juju to help uh, Bo, and this time it's to detain the doctor that's that's flying <laughs> right. in to uh, to go to work at Baron Chemicals, and it's like, okay, you know, it's not enough that we planted drugs in your suitcase. Because uh, then when she starts, you know, well, I work for a... Well, you know what? We also are holding... Yeah, what about the a, pipe bomb? Right, the pipe bomb. <laughs> so you're a terrorist. And, uh, you know, again, we talked last time about, you know, Dyson willing to take risks for Bo. And, and, and you know, the, I mean, we laugh, but, you know, it's a pretty big deal what he's doing. And he says, I can only hold her for 24 hours. But, you know, you got to believe that she's not going to go quietly after she's released. Yeah, well, and again, that's part of the, probably something we just say. Uh, that, you know, maybe there'll be an issue, maybe not. Um, but for the moment, you know, we're too focused on, well, Kent has got to be saved, so uh, do whatever you need to do there, Dyson. But you know, I also realize, I mean, Canadians have a much uh, less, what do I say, paranoid kind of view about uh, terrorism and, and whatnot. And this is kind of funny because I was just up in Toronto. And, uh, and my wife and I were, and my family was out for dinner and we were talking to the waiter and we had mentioned how the, the weight uh, getting across the border uh, going from the U.S. into Canada was – it was like an hour we were sitting in the car. It was ridiculous. You know, it's crazy. And so – but my wife said then, well, even though we had to wait, you know, at least we know they're doing their job to try and keep us safe. And the waiter right. was like, eh. And I was like, yeah, what do you mean? 
Yeah, well, it wasn't your Twin Towers that got blown down, so I guess you don't really care so much. But I think in Canada, they they look more critically at like the Patriot Act and things like that, and maybe we should as well. Um, than we do in the states, and so having something in where you know he just claps a woman up and accuses her of terrorism, you know, in the states, that's that's like that's pretty serious stuff. Yeah, you know, yeah. that's like that resonates. Uh, and, and so I don't know if they were really thinking about their their U.S. audience when they did right. this scene. I guess is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, and yeah, but that's okay. Um, the uh, let's see. I, I guess the last thing, because we've talked, uh, you know, in, in the course of this a lot about the, you know, him coming to her bedside. But but you know, there were a number of times where he really, you know, he, he you know, she asks him to stay with her, and he, you know, he says he will, and and just, you know, again, really, uh, you know, I think the, just that that they're developing this this you know relationship with her, and uh, you know, uh, obviously, it, it, you know, the the tenuous relationship that they had seems to be taking a turn for the for the better yeah all right so lastly uh Bo, and the first thing i jotted down is that you know on the one hand these were not her finest moments and, and the one thing that i really that just really got me is you know when when she and Lauren you know they're they're you know it's the, the Lauren you know it's like look we can't just charge in there guns blazing uh, you know that we we you know we need a plan you know to get in there so that like you said so that we don't get caught great what's your brilliant plan like, yeah she seemed to get a little snarky there yeah for sure. I mean boy could you be any more condescending yeah. <laughs> um, and, and I guess I found that really odd because you know Bo has you know again she's kind of like initiated almost you know the the you know the little sparkage you know towards Lauren um but you know especially since it was Lauren's help that uh you know has enabled her to gain control of her urges yeah and what I took from that is that she's really frustrated this because when she said that I was as well I was like really Bo come on like this is Lauren don't don't get all stinky with her but then I realized, well, she's really, really stressed. I mean, Kenzie means so much to her, and she just is, is desperate to save her that she's losing yeah. her patience with Lauren. That's how I yeah, took good, it. No, that no, she, no, that's she's a good losing point. her patience with Lauren because she's so desperate to save Kenzie, who really, when it comes down to it, means more to her than anything else in the world. Yeah, I think. that's a good point. And, and, uh, you know, it's you know she is proud. The other thing we do, you know, and and deservedly so. You know, she's she's proud of the fact that you know now she's learned to control a little bit. She doesn't auto, automatically kill a human that she's sucky bussing. Yeah. Okay. Um, sucky touching. Sucky suck kissing. Right. Um, I don't know. All these new terms. Uh, but the, yeah, again, it, 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 like we said, there weren't a lot of funny scenes. But when the guard turns out to be gay. Yeah. Well, she says, you know, she goes up to him like, okay. She, you know, because Lauren has said to her, "You can't go succubusing everybody. You have to try. Yeah. You can try your own personal charm without going there." And so, you know, she goes up to the guy and says, "Oh, I love a guy in uniform." He's like, "Well, that makes two of us." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. So, all right. And anyway, and, and one of the last things that oh, wait, wait, hold on. Go, go ahead. Before I thought we were going to talk about it more because there there is the great line there where she so she's like, "Okay, succubus." Then and she starts, uh, you know, kissing him, going with the the sucky kiss and everything. And she pauses for a moment and the guy goes, 
I shouldn't be enjoying this. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> right. Um, and, and, and then when he finally does go down and she realizes he's still alive, she's like cheering for herself and slapping him. Saying, hey, right. look at me. Slap. You know, look what I did. So, you know, so that you're right. There wasn't a lot of, you know, straight up humor, but that was a pretty funny scene. Yeah. And, and, scene. and, and just there at the end where she is, you know, I mean, she's not full of herself, but she's proud of herself. And again, she even makes the point that, you know, that solving the case got her major points with the ash. And I guess I started thinking, like, well, okay, that's good. I guess it can't hurt, but why do you care yeah. since you're on a line? Right, yeah, and exactly. And we see her leaning more towards the light fae now. Well, I mean, it's, it's right from word one because she hangs out with just the light fae. We've really only seen the dark fae in the last episode with Meyer. So her sympathies would probably be with the light fae. Um, but yeah, you're right. Exactly. As unaligned, why should she care? Right. But I think she realizes even though she's unaligned, she still has to work with the power brokers, both light and dark. And she hasn't seen the dark. And I think it's the next one. Soon she's going to have to deal with the dark. Thing, yeah. Um, which is going to be really cool. And, uh, so I'm trying not to do any more spoilers. Sorry, right. Dave. Dave hates it when I do the spoilers. No, but, right. uh, um, but yeah, I mean, she, she realizes even though I'm unaligned, and she's been gradually kind of realizing it. I can't do whatever I want. Right. I still have to exist within, to a certain degree, the rules. Now, I have a little bit more play. I have more leeway. I can do things outside the rules and kind of get away with it. But I can't get too far because I still have to deal with both you know, the, the community as a whole, which has very tight uh, rules, very closely codified rules that you know, tell us what we can and can't do. And so I, I can't step too far out of them or, or she's going to get slapped. Right. And if we were looking at, you know, a, a, as a continuum, you know, a point A and a point B, I mean, she's, she's certainly closer to the light fay, you know, than the dark fay. Yeah. Yeah. Again, no question so. about it. Because, you know, Trick, Dyson. Right. Sure. Every, Lauren, everyone that all her close friends are, right. are all light fay. So now at the end, we see the rules brought into play and, I, and it was pretty good ending i thought you know as the you know the the three are standing around and that you know Bo says well you know now that i can feed off humans you know uh um you know then that's maybe something i'm gonna do and the sexual tension between Bo and dyson you know and now lauren you know is, is pretty evident and and that uh, obviously yeah, dyson's jealous yeah and there's actually a really good shot that they set up there within the foreground you have uh lauren and Bo, a bow to the left and lauren to the right and they're like and they're just lauren saying thank you and she reaches up and kind of with both oh, hands on the kind of touches yeah. bow on each shoulder and then right between them is in the shot like like right between them in the background is dyson and he kind of looks up and notices that and then so there's a couple more where they, they the camera goes quickly to Dyson to show his reaction shots, and we can see that he's noticing this um, kind of attraction between Bo and Lauren, and 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 then he he acts like almost like a, a high school kid, you know, like so is it okay with the other people? Yeah, that's fine. I don't care, you know, like that. You know, like we're not buying it one bit. You right. Know? So, yeah, all right. Um, I think that about does it for this episode. Yeah, that was um, a lot. I didn't think we were going to talk about that so, much for this. Yeah. There was a lot. Of, it was, it, like I said, again, on reflection, uh, uh, an episode that was very rich in uh, especially character development. And, and as I've said before, I mean, that's really what I believe is the central driving focus of a successful TV show is, is got to be character. You've got to have characters that your audience 
likes, well, not just likes, but loves and and roots for and, and wants to see. It's, it's just like uh, if you had a bunch of people that you like to hang, like your friends. Why you, who are your friends? Your friends are people you like to hang out with, people you want to see. Um, and uh, a good show is just like a, a bunch of people that you want to see. They're kind of like your friends. Right. So... Uh... Yeah, and, and you know the the procedural part of it, which you know at first just kind of like, I mean, it just kind of grossed me out a little bit, and, and I thought, oh, what is this all about? Then you realize, I mean, it, it, so much of it was you know intertwined into Kenzie's life and death situation, and everybody, you know, rallying around. So, right, right. Which, and then there's like the I, I'm sorry, I know you want to move on. No, I just no, keep, no we're got I just remind me of the uh, that the the one doctor when they bring in the ass wing. And she's dying, and Kenzie gets up, and she and it's all hazy for her, and, and she goes there, and the one doctor looks at her and says, "Somebody get that human out of here," you know, and and treats her in a very nasty manner. So there's we still see we know there is that prejudice, that bigotry against right. humans, but then we see these people who take tremendous risks, uh, trick, sell something of immense value. Uh, Lauren risks her life. Bo risks her life. Uh, Dyson doesn't really risk. Well, he risks his job. He risks. Yeah, right, right. Oh, yeah, yeah. He risks his job. Right, 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 yeah. right. So everyone who knows Kenzie goes to extreme lengths to yep. save her. And there's no, as ah, just a human, forget it. It's, you know, like this is our, our friend and she's part of us. She's part of our community. Yep. And they go to great lengths. And, and in the end, that's really where now we're starting to see this group as, as people that we care about. Right. But, and that's pretty major. Yeah. So. Major, major, major. So. All right. So now we're good to move on. We can move on. Yes, I think I've got officially all the things I wanted to to say. I've said cool. Now we said last time because we're recording, you know, two days after uh, the last time uh, that we weren't going to do a pilot episode, uh, you know, the way we usually do. But for next time, uh, Wayne. Next time we Netflix keeps telling me that I need to watch this show. Like it's it's uh, like recommendations for Wayne every time. And apart from all the Disney movie things from my kids watching uh, a zillion episodes of iCarly, uh, every now and then it sneaks in some that I actually would want to watch. It keeps very insistently telling me that I need to watch Warehouse 13. It's like almost like annoyingly. Like if a computer or a TV could actually nudge you. That's what Netflix is doing to me every time I turn on saying, dude, you got to watch this show. Dude, you got to watch this show. So I figured, okay, well, we're watching pilots of, of shows, and Netflix really is adamant that I should watch Warehouse 13. So let's check it out. All right. So now, I, what I can tell you is, you know, when the show debuted, you know, several years ago, you know, I sat down and was actually watching it live. And after just you know, again, it was a couple minutes. I'm like, nah, this is this doesn't look like something I'm going to like. And that was it. I was done. Right. Now, uh, our buddy Mike, who uh, some of you might know from the Continuum podcast, Liberate, uh, <laughs> Liberate. Uh, I mean, he loves the show. I mean, this is one of his top shows. So you know, I mean, we we both uh, um, you know, um, you know, our, our uh, gosh, can't think of the That's- word. You know, we, we believe if, if he thinks it's good. Yeah, uh, Mike's, Mike's a pretty good uh, gauge of, of a show's quality. Um, right. I, you know, Mike, this is how it works with us. Like, like Mike tells Dave about a good show, and then Dave tells me, and, and then 
then I give it the official seal of whether it's a good show or right. not. Although, let's, uh, to be fair, uh, you know, you've turned me on to a number of shows. That's and perhaps too. one of the most uh, important in uh, Doctor Who. But uh, right. All right. So we'll do Warehouse 13 for uh, for next time. Uh, so we don't have anything to talk about. So what, what we thought might be interesting for a few minutes is to take a look at what some of the actors uh, in Lost Girl are doing outside of Lost Girl. So uh, let's start with Cassinia Solo and. I think we've mentioned before she appeared as a ballet dancer in Black Swan, and you know what I did learn is that she does have a, a, a classical dance background in real life. Um, she appeared as a character named Dodge. Now I don't know this show Lock and Key, and apparently there's a, a comic book series uh, that's this very dark supernatural tale, and uh, the the pilot was based on that. It was apparently originally intended to be a feature film, but Alex Kurtzman and Roberto Orsi, you know, fringe, fringe co-creators yeah. with J.J. Uh, Abrams, were brought aboard to adapt it to television for Fox. It was shown at Comic-Con 2011 to uh, critical acclaim. The audience loved it. And, of course, Fox declined to pick it up, which maybe is the best rather yeah, than putting it on for 13 and then canceling exactly. it. Exactly. Better um, that than, than getting us interested in it. Right. Only to and it out. was shopped around but didn't find any takers. Now, the in, one, interesting one, uh, K.C. Collins, who plays Hale, uh, he's currently playing Dr. Tom Raycraft in Saving Hope. And I don't know if you know this show. It, it's, it's, it appears simultaneously on American TV and Canadian TV. So it's a, uh, an NBC show uh, produced in Canada, Supernatural Medical Drama. <laughs> okay. Now, the premise revolves around a doctor that's played by Michael Shanks. You haven't gotten to Stargate SG-1 yet, but he's, yet. he's Daniel Jackson. So he's like the, the, science, the nerdy science officer who, you know, is uh, on that show. And Michael Shanks uh, plays him. And actually, in real life, he's married to Sonia. The terrorist and liberate oh, okay. in, uh, continuum. in, in continuum. Uh, well uh, in done. real life. So anyway, so that guy's he, got a pretty good life then, huh? Yeah. So <laughs> he's in a coma after an accident, and the show follows him as he kind of like looks down on things in the hospital as he tries to, you know, provide hope for you know patients, you know, and and so I've never really seen it, but um, you know, so he he's you know got a fairly uh, fairly regular. Uh, part in that it makes show. me a little nervous though it seems like he's not very confident about the success of lost girl well <laughs> you know i'm guessing because they're both 13 episoders that you know he's got to put food on the table the rest got, of the year right yeah. so now zoe palmer who plays lauren uh is currently filming a a, a movie called sex after kids that's slated to be released in 2013 and she's got one of the top billings and the interesting thing here is one of these publicly funded uh productions and uh, they're using something called Indiegogo, which is the world's largest global funding platform. Uh, have we talked about this before? Mm-mm. Okay. There's a, another com, uh, uh, major one's called Kickstarter. So basically what you do is you say, you know what, uh, you know, Wayne and I want to make a movie, uh, and you know, we, we want to raise money. So we go to Kickstarter and we say, okay, we want to raise $10,000 to make our movie. So now what people do is they then come on and they make donations through uh, there's something through Amazon I believe, but the but the deal is that you know it can't be open ended. We say okay we're going to run it for a month, and that if at the end of the month we don't get our ten thousand, we don't get anything. So if only five thousand was pledged, we don't get it. Yeah. And there are some really cool sci fi 
shorts, uh, TV, you know, online series that are being produced, and, and so some of the things that are being made for twenty five thousand dollars are just amazing. So anyway, that's what this is. So this this project's raised over sixty one thousand. It's it's called a they're calling it an ensemble romantic comedy about what happens to your sex life after marriage, kids, and or both. And Chris Holden Reed's also involved in it at some point. Uh, but she also played Patty Reagan, Ronald Reagan's daughter, in the critically acclaimed The Reagans in twenty uh, in twenty uh, twenty three in two thousand three uh, for a I film see, that was yeah, nominated. That couldn't be recent. I don't think she passed her. Yeah, Patty Reagan now. All right. So now Rick Howland, who plays Trick, you know, for him this seems to be his big break. Um, He's you know, been like a lot of stuff, right? Well, well little I mean, bit parts. One right? thing, you know, one episode here and there. He was in four episodes of Billable Hours, which is a Canadian comedy on Showcase that centered around the lives of three young lawyers as they're entering the uh, dog-eat-dog world of law. He also appeared in The Tin Man, which was a 2007 miniseries, a reimagining of The Wizard of Oz. Oh, okay. uh, yeah. It was uh, I think maybe Zoe Deschanel was in that. I, that thing was on my DVR for. Ever and I never watched it, and then you know, like a Doctor Who uh, marathon came through and booted it off. But, okay. Uh, now, lastly, and I know you, you know, this is near and dear to you, Emmanuel Vaugier, who plays the Morgan. Yes. And I mean, when I started looking at what she's done, I mean, she's been in tons of stuff. I mean, you know, uh, of anyone on the show, she's got the largest body of work. Now, now she's currently filming a film, a movie called Deception with Cuma. Uh, Cuba Gooding Jr. and and you know the two of them are enjoy top billing, due for release in 2013. Now, there's a guy whose name you just haven't heard. like he had like after Jerry Maguire yeah like Cuba Gooding Jr. was like red hot and then bam yeah there was like, a movie where he was like a Navy seaman or something and I forget I don't no but you just said seaman which no. was funny but... okay. <laughs> all right anyway so uh, now she's also ra- uh, filmed rapping on a movie called Susie which is the story of a pit bull puppy that's been abused and the legal aftermath surrounding the attack uh, she's the lead in that but then you know she's 11 episodes on two and a half men where she plays one of charlie's girlfriends uh, 25 episodes of csi new york seven episodes of covert affairs which i actually you know watched all of season one it's a you know nice little uh spy drama you know the you know that has a lot of attractive people and you know but I guess not enough to hold my interest. So, anyway. Well, she's a good actress. Anna. She's she's, a, she's very yeah. attractive, but she's also, I mean, like, as, as the Morgan, she is just all kinds of, um, you know, she's very, very sexy, but also, like, that she just plays that role of menacing and kind of nasty and, um, but clever and manipulative. She just plays it all very well. So, yeah. she's, she's good. That, I watch. I might go watch some of that stuff. Well, I yeah. probably won't. I'm, yeah. Well, what I would recommend, though, if you, if you uh, watch anything covert affairs, I mean, it, it really is. I mean, it's a smart show. The writing's pretty good. It's it, it's got some humor in it. Um, you know, it's a little bit too cliched in that you know the tech guy is blind. Yeah. And, and that's kind of yeah, like yeah, an homage to uh, was it Twenty Four? Was uh, I don't know. There was some some other show where the tech guy had some sort of disability. I don't remember what. Well, there was, oh, the tech... a- Alias. The guy was you know a midget or I don't know. Yeah, lot, the tech guy is always like some you know like if he doesn't have a, a full on disability, then someone who's got a mental just, disability. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. Yeah, you know, he's 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 someone that you can stick in the basement of a big factory and and he'll be okay with that. You know, okay. uh, the, the best tech 
Pacific, I thought, was in uh, the last Die Hard movie with uh, Kevin Smith. Oh, did you see it? The... I didn't, but it's not it's not Jeremy Irons, is it? No, no, it, no, it no. was uh, it was Kevin Smith was the uh, was like the nerd computer nerd tech guy that uh, they have to come to for help. And yeah, you know, I mean Kevin Smith is just a, a riot in general. But you know he plays mm-hmm. a guy who's just in his mother's basement and he's sitting there watching TV. He's got his computers in front of him and they come to him for help. And it's just it, it was the funniest. Is this like the Kevin Smith the, the movie where he works like in a mini mart or something? Yeah, clerks, clerks. Okay, <laughs> okay. I, I saw it. I saw it. Hey, come okay. come come back to Generation X, Dave. Come All on. Right. This is Clerks is like one of the most important films of, of my generation. So right. I was like, so you're you're disparaging its name now. Oh no no no, I'm not. No. No disparaging going on. So anyway, so our our faves are working, uh, putting food on the table with projects other than Lost Girl, and uh, hopefully well, that, that's good because you want like yeah you, know, you like it that they're 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 working actors and actresses. Right. You know they're 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 not. We talked a couple episodes about like the the juxtaposition of the at Comic Con of the people for Lost Girl, the, the actors and actresses and, and staff people who work for Lost Girl and those for Twilight and you know, the the, the one reveling their moment and the other one treating it as, oh dear, another another press conference. Oh man, right. so it's drudgery, you know. Um and here's our, our people who are, are really throwing their, their hearts and souls into this this show and uh, and it and it shows. You know, right. it really does show, especially the actors and actresses, you know, it really shows that they care a lot for this show. That they they have fun doing it, and uh, you know, yeah. Hopefully, it'll, that'll continue. All right. So, uh, last thing on the docket tonight is, uh, you know, we, we aren't going to necessarily order uh, our top ten list, but what what we said was we want to look at actresses that we would like to see in a sci-fi or fantasy or supernatural setting. And I, I guess we didn't really narrow it to TV or film. Um, yeah, well, but, we couldn't because it was hard enough. Right. Because and, and, we realized that it sounded like a great idea at first. When you first sound like, oh, yeah, that sounds really interesting. And then I started thinking about it, like, but well, wait, I don't, I don't watch anything except for so I, I can't. I, I, it was all I could do to come up with, like, two or three movies or TV shows that I've seen in my life that are not involved with sci-fi or who has a person in it who has not been in another sci-fi and by and large it was an epic fail on my part well the first name for me the first name on my list okay it was like oh okay so far so good this is okay and i got the number two i was like oh damn so anyway first on my <laughs> list one is easy it's, it's, it's the next nine that were a problem now i pretty much have you know between sci-fi sports I don't have a whole lot of time for other shows, but 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 there is That's one what I'm saying. Sh- right. But there is one show that I that I have consistently watched for the last nine years, and that's NCIS. Okay, that's what I, I knew you were going in there right away. Like that girl in NCIS, Cody with, DePablo. Is she the one with like the? No, 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 no. no. Cody DePablo, okay. who, who plays Ziva David, the Mossad agent. Nah, I don't, okay. I've never seen NCIS. Okay. My mom likes it because oh, okay. my mom's a big Mark Harmon fan. Well, the. Uh, the, and there's actually a scene in one of the episodes where he's throwing a football down the street to the kids. For yeah. those of you that don't know, he played quarterback for UCLA, yeah. he, and he actually played. Wasn't it SC? Uh, no, he played for UCLA. UCLA. His father okay. played for Michigan. His father was a Heisman Trophy winner, but yeah, 
But well, that's, my mom used to say all the time because uh, was Mark Harmon was on a show back in the eighties. Oh my god, I can't remember where he's like a detective or something. I don't know. He's been on probably a zillion shows yeah. like that. But every time, I, you know, my mom had to watch it because she had a big thing for Mark Harmon. She always say, "Well, he played, you know, he played quarterback." Or, you know, yeah. Like okay, yeah. so well anyway, uh, so Cody DePablo is the actress's name, and she plays the Mossad agent who's who's been tasked to work with uh, NCIS agents, and so I mean, she's an assassin. I mean, that's what, you know, like they routinely will send them out and it's like, and, and Ziva, don't kill them. Bring them back alive. <laughs> so, you know, number, so, so number one, she's got the dark hair, you know, right. which, which we which were talking about. That, that's right. very, very right. important. And, and, and the cool thing, you know, in the show is she alternates where she's got it pulled back really tight. And then those, those weeks when she's got it out and it's wild and, you know, she, she dresses like, I mean, pretty much down, you know, kind of like, I don't know if you call them cargo pants or whatever, where they got the pockets in them. And it's yeah, like, cargo pants, yeah. you know, it's like you wouldn't ordinarily think of what she wears as being sexy, but she just looks great. And then, you know, she's got the gun and the, you know, the whole thing. She would just be perfect. She's, she's, pretty, she's It sounds like she's there already. She would be a badass sci-fi heroine. Yeah. No, no All question. she needs is the right. vehicle. She sounds like she's right. got everything so, else. So, you know. No doubt there. So the next one that comes to my mind is is somebody called – her name is Kobe Smalders. And, uh, you know, my wife and I have the TV on when we eat dinner. And so typically we pick up, you know, like, you know, maybe 10 years ago it was Seinfeld because we'd never seen it when it was on. And How I Met Your Mother. you never seen that one either, huh? No, no, I, I have. Is, which one is, is – she? She's the one that was not in Buffy. Okay, right, because the the Allison, right, or something like right, that. Right, Allison Hannigan. She was in, yeah, right. was in Buffy. She was in the uh, the uh, American Pie movies. Right. Too. Okay, so it's the other one, the dark hair, okay. the, the really gotcha. pretty one. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so you know, okay, number one, she's Canadian in real life. Well, I put Allison Hannigan. May I put her on my list? Okay. I don't know. Has she been? In? Well, I mean, she's fantasy. Buffy, she was right, in Buffy. Right, you know. Right. Okay. She's so up. anyway, so so I'm like, okay, she's Canadian in real life. She plays Canadian. You know. You know, like on the show, and in fact, in the show, the the big joke is, you know, she meets a new guy, and she you know, the scene where she's calling up a magazine subscription, she's telling him, "Look, you know, I got a new boyfriend, so I need to cancel my subscription." And you find out it's for guns and ammo, you know. <laughs> and then it's like the guy said, and she goes, "Oh, well, maybe I could get it sent to work," you know. So she'd be, but then I look, she was in the Avengers. Oh, okay. So I, I haven't seen so the Avengers. In, you saw yeah, Agent saw. Maria Hill. Uh, oh, I think she was like right in the beginning. Okay, so I don't know how big a role she had. Not a big one, if I okay. If I okay, so she's okay. Well, then not not bad. Yeah. Um, so who now? Who do you got? Have okay. On All right. My first one is Allison Brie, who plays Annie in Community. And now some people oh. might say, well, she was in Scream Four. And first of all, I would say. All right, who cares? No, but yeah, I don't think she had a big role in it. She might have. I, I don't know. I don't remember Scream 4. I don't even know. If, actually, I, I that was the most recent one, right? Yeah. I haven't even seen Scream 4, so I'm going to discount Scream 4 and ignore it and say Alison Brie would be great. Why would she be great? Because she's an actress in a show that I know that hasn't been signed yet. So basically, plus she's she's great as, as Annie. And I know she's also in Mad Men. And I've never seen Mad Men, but I do know that she's gotten very rave reviews for her her work in Mad Men, too. So she's a really good actress, and she does have dark hair, and she is very attractive. So I think she would be a, a good sci-fi heroine. Okay. Well, that's – okay. Now, for me, the next one uh, – now, you know, I, I really like her for a lot of reasons, but uh, – and one of them is her acting ability uh, – is Scarlett Johansson. 
Oh, ScarJo, but she was in the Avengers as well. Uh, exactly. She had, and, she had and, that, that strike that she can't. She, right. she had a big role well, in the Avengers. Uh, okay, it gets worse. She was in Iron Man. And then she was in, in a movie called The Island. Oh, yeah, that's right. She was in, uh, Oh, yeah, and the, the Island with, uh, with, with uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi. Yeah. So <laughs> you and McGregor, right? right. Yeah. So you know, I mean, okay, yeah. okay. Yeah. so three it's strikes and you're out, uh, Scarlet. Yeah, uh, I mean, I was, I'm impressed that you actually thought that that one would go through because she's been in so many movies. I mean, she is, she's, she's top. I mean, she's like box office gold, you right? Get, but see, that's one of the things we've talked before about that. You, you, you tend to see these films that are based around you know the superhero kind yes. of thing, where I tend to shy away from them. So. Okay. You should. You got to embrace it. Well, man. you know, and and you know, I, I think I'm going to have to, especially at least the Avengers. Like, have you seen Iron Man? Either Iron Man. No. <laughs> the ah, oh, you seen the Hulk movies? You know what? I saw about 15 minutes of Robert Downey Jr. flying around in his Iron Man yeah. suit. You know, shooting down an F-16 or whatever. But that's number. not even that's not even the good part. Yeah, I know. But uh, the, all right. Yeah. So who do you have next? Okay. Um, the second. I don't know whether I should because. Right, I'm going to say the, my third one first because the one the other one I have is I'm going to lose all credibility once I say it. Oh no! Well, I got one that. <laughs> but my one is Diane Kruger. Oh no! Who was the uh, Abigail something in the National Treasure movie? So again, it was all I could think of to think. Okay, what what movies have I ever seen that that aren't sci-fi? And I'm like, oh, I, I love the National Treasure movies, and, and Diane Kruger is she's attractive. She's a great actress. She's um, she does a, a good job in both those movies of being both you know like you know pre- presenting a character, but also the action parts as well. And she was in Inglorious Bastards too, which I don't know if you've seen that. I've seen again. I've seen part of it. Yeah, uh, she was she was great in Inglorious Bastards. So I'm like, that, now there's there's a quality actress. No, that's a good she's choice. blonde, which is uh, okay. That's you know you can always dye your hair black or something. But but I think her blonde hair is part of her mystique and everything. Right. Um, but then of course then you go on to IMDb and you see oh well in 2013 she's going to be in some movie called The Host that's about alien invasion like well okay but it's not it's gonna it's gonna be right it's gonna be a lot of things could happen you know that, that it, it might never reach the uh, the movieplex at all and Diane Kruger will still have a sci fi sci fi free career and and will remain included on this list okay well my next one. And, uh, you know, you talk about losing your credibility. Um, I don't think you have to worry Um, because, you know, my next choice has been uh, referred to as a skank. uh, uh, And that's probably (laughs) one of the more positive. But I just like her. I mean, you know, I I do think she's attractive. I do think she's a good actress. You know, I'm I'm not naive. I know she's had her problems. But uh, and that's Lindsay Lohan. Yeah. Well, the term skank, like women think that. Is an insult, <laughs> and uh, for guys, not so much. But yeah, Lindsay Lohan. So she hasn't been in any. That sci-fi? goes back to what we said at the beginning of the podcast yeah. about trying to get. We a, probably do need a female voice yeah, in to here, get a, yeah. to get another voice in here. No, uh, you know, unless you call uh, Herbie the love bu- love bug, uh, yeah. you know, sci-fi. Right. Um, we'll let that one go. Right. Um, now the, the the another one, and I'm, you know, Drew Barrymore. Now I, I know it's like ET. Yeah. Okay, but she was like what six? But she was already like drinking and smoking pot. Right, so right. yeah, I think she but, was plenty mature when she was doing ET. But but I think you know she's somebody that. that Wasn't she you in know, Poltergeist too? 
Was she a kid in Poltergeist? Uh, she could have been, but if she was, she was seven or, you know, right. but, but I mean, but the point, you know, there's somebody that really did clean up her act. I mean, you know, she really, in terms of romantic comedies, I mean, she's really, I mean, she's really good. I mean, I, I've never seen anything. I mean, bad movies like that. I think it was with Jimmy Fallon, maybe. Uh, oh, yeah. The, uh, the Fever Pitch. Right. But I, I, I kind of like that. Yeah, that, I kind of liked it. But, yeah. but to me, I, I, I kind of, it's like, I think it's sometimes the, the actor's transcend the 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 you know the mediocre script and it's just right. i just like them and uh and no, I thought, she's 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 i like drew barrymore a lot too she's yeah. she's great in pretty much everything and and i could see her in you know one of these you know i, I could see her in a lost girl where it's you know the, it does have a sense of humor to it it's not you know this really always dark right and i think like it, you know now i think like jodie foster because i'm like thinking jodie foster i mean like she because like Drew Barrymore kind of reminds me of, of Jodie Foster in many ways of playing like kind of like wholesome. Now she plays like kind of wholesome roles. Right. Of course, and Jodie Foster like was in Contact. Right, right. So I knew yeah. like Jodie. I, yeah. I didn't even bother going okay. looking because Jodie Foster has been in movies for so long that I'm sure she's got a couple of sci-fi um, movies up her up her sleeve there. But uh, Drew Barrymore reminds me a lot of her. As does the, the girl. We talked about the girl from uh, Continuum being like a you know a, a oh, Jodie right. Foster lookalike, you right? Know, and everything. Um, I always had a kind of a thing for Jodie Foster from a young age. So anyone who in any way reminds me of Jodie Foster, I'm going to be a big fan of theirs. So, so you got anybody else on your list? Yeah. Okay. okay. This one. All right, this one's for my daughter. Okay, okay. <laughs> I put it out there, uh, and plus the fact that I I could only come up with three names, but uh, Miley Cyrus. Oh. <laughs> Again, it's 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 there's just if nothing else, I can just play this for my daughter and say, hey, look, Daddy said Miley Cyrus on on the air. Um, but, All right, uh, since I already lost my man card last time, <laughs> um, I'm going to go out on a limb here and, and say that. Uh, and I will say that that I guess I could have gotten up and left the room and come up to my uh, office uh, and left my wife downstairs. But obviously, you've been married a while. You know, that's not always the best course of uh, no. events. But anyway, there was a uh, Nicholas Sparks marathon going on oh, on one of the channels that so, she yeah. happened to. And, it, and, and Miley Cyrus you know, is the lead character in, in one of them. Oh, is and, she? And she plays, you know, the the story is she's estranged from her father, who's this ne'er-do-well ne'er musician. Yeah, my wife read um, that book, man. She was in and, tears at the and, end of it. And, you know, really, I mean, I, I, she is good. I mean, you know, she really is pretty good. She's a good actress. And I, my daughter watches Hannah Montana all the time. Well, both my daughters. So the, the one's only four, so she doesn't really understand it. Um, and they sing Party in the USA like all the time as well, which is a, a real treat. Um, but from the, the times I've caught of the Hannah Montana show, I mean, she's, she really is a, a funny, you know, girl. She's a funny yeah. actress and, and everything. And, uh, you know, I, I was never a big fan of, of Achy Breaky Heart, but, you know, Billy Ray is actually pretty good on that show too. So it, it's one of those shows that it's not awful if I have to sit down and, and watch one with my kids or they have it on the background while I'm, you know, trying to do work or something like that. Yeah. Well, a couple of others, because we could drag this out forever. Uh, uh, See, I knew Miley Cyrus would right. end it after well, no, that. No, It'll no, all go downhill no. after that. Well, we're, push, we're getting close to an hour and a half here. But uh, two actresses that, that I always think of, you know, together, because they, they kind of look alike, and that's uh, Reese Witherspoon and Alicia Silverstone. And I really like both of them. Now, Alicia Silverstone, as soon as I'm looking, it's like Batman and Robin. She was Batgirl. Yeah, that's, and that's right. She was, she was Batgirl, right? Right. And I think I'm the only one that, that George Clooney is my favorite Batman. But, 
Yeah, you know, you're probably not alone with that. You know, yeah. um, I really like that. But uh, and then now Reese Witherspoon hasn't really been in anything sci-fi related, so you know, so she would be. You know, she's got the blonde thing going yeah. against her. And Alicia Silverstone hasn't been anything. Period. For <laughs> well, <laughs> well, you know, Clueless, which was actually yeah, but, pretty... no. I mean, but since then, oh, you know, okay. she she had she was on yeah. fire in the uh, in the late '90s. Yeah. But uh, after yeah. that, man, her, her career career. She was in actually. She was in a really. A uh, good movie with uh, Benicio del Toro, which I can't remember what, but he plays some kind of guy who's meant to bring her somewhere or save her or something like that. I don't know. It's a pretty good movie, but I, I haven't heard her name in ooh long yeah. time. So, but yeah, good actress. Um, Diane Lane. I don't know if you know who she is or not. Oh yeah, uh, um, she was in that that Richard Gere. She cheated yes, on Richard Gere. Right, right, exactly. So I started thinking, ah, you know, I really like her. You know, she's again, you know, not that there's anything wrong with the you know the twenty five to thirty year old actresses, but you know, but Diane. Lane, but then she was in a movie called Jumper, which which is I think kind of a time travelish thing, Man of Steel. Heck, she was in the original Judge Dredd. So, you know, you <laughs> uh, should get her uh, out of there. No. Um, a, a fine actress, though. Okay. And very attractive uh, woman. Now, Myla Kunis, who, you know, you might know from uh, that 70s show. She's the uh, self-absorbed girlfriend of uh, um, Bruce Willis's ex-wife's new husband. I can't think of his name. Uh, Ashton Kutcher? Yes. Kutcher. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Oh, in, in, in the, the show, in the show, show right, right. They were boyfriend and girlfriend. Yeah. Um, she was in Black Swan. Um, but, you know, I, I, and mostly you've seen her thing in, in things that are, are, you know, more or less, you know, comedies, except Black Swan, which is, you know, if you haven't seen that, that's actually, yeah, I haven't you know, seen it's yet, really you dark. You did recommend it, and yeah. I am interested in eventually seeing yeah. it. But, um, uh, so I could see her. Uh, Gina Gershon, who uh, I've just, you know, she's... Oh, oh yeah, I know that. But she, oh, she's been in science fiction, hasn't she? Yeah, I didn't see any sh- Showgirls. Is that science fiction? Dude, could have been. <laughs> <laughs> all right, but, uh, fictional aerodynamics. In, all right, so that. anyway, so we're not going to order our list, but those are just some of the actresses that we would like to see in, in some sort of a sci-fi project. And, uh, you know, again, I mean, as we started looking at names, I mean, it's it, it, almost every top actress has been in something. Yeah. sci-fi related yeah you know? it's like that you need as part of your resume if you you want to be one of the one of the tops so all right anything else no god i can't believe it. an hour and a half really yeah, I mean, yeah we actually the funny thing is we cut out right a segment of the show and still went like way over so uh hopefully you're entertained though because you know i know i have been yeah <laughs> uh, and uh you know if you have been entertained or even if you like you know why don't you two shut up uh, drop us a line at fatalists podcast at gmail.com or the website fatalists dot podbean dot com and you can uh, download the podcast at iTunes. It's Fatalists and yeah, we're like number eleven with a bullet, baby. Yeah, yeah. Just, of we're, course we don't know exactly what that means. I but, don't know what uh, that means either, but it, it looks good. If, yeah. I, I want to see our, our show in a top, any kind of top. As you can tell, we like top ten lists. So if yes. I can, we can crack the top ten. That right would be now, what, what we were talking about beforehand, and, and I won't drag this out. Uh, you know, top ten. Um, gadgets or accessories or weapons or we haven't exactly figured out how to uh, define it yet uh you know so we're, we're thinking about that for next time and then we'll definitely take a look at the pilot for warehouse 13 and uh other than that i guess we'll see you next time see you next week peace love and understanding